Coast. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hi, Jason Puckett is off this week, so I'm flying solo, and it uh, has been a fun experience to this point. We'll see if we can say that after the next half hour and all three hours tomorrow. But so far, so good. Uh, One of the things, I mentioned this earlier, because we've had a lot of guys on who used to be on the show when we did it every single day for all those many years, and one of the things I do miss about that show is a chance to visit on a regular basis with guys who became kind of radio friends, I'll call them, and one of them is on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline right now. John Feinstein has done many things in his life, but he has never been on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, and I know he'll consider this a great, great honor. John, welcome back, sir. Well, you promised me I'd be on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. You know, I think that's actually an old, that's a good point. There's a guy who's been around before. He remembers the Zeke's Pizza I Hotline. I do. That, that, would, that was our hotline every week back in the uh, in the good old days. In the good old days, as it were. Well, I'm sure this is a fine hotline, too. You sound fine, so I'll say but to if folks. If you can that, get me sent a Zeke's Pizza, I'd be grateful. If the Zeke's Pizza people are listening, call us and we'll give you John's address. You can mail him a pizza and we'll see how things work out when he gets it in a couple of days out there in the, the great. be better than most of the pizza here in Washington, D.C. All the good pizza places places here have closed hey i uh, i uh, uh it's great to, to talk to you again and and um it, it's an interesting time to talk to you because we spent a lot of time last uh you know last week and then into monday talking about the masters and talking about patrick reed and what a fascinating character this guy is and in in and I'm, i think i can't keep track because you write so much but uh the uh, uh the, your latest book is the first major right which is on the Ryder cup of 2016 correct and as such you obviously got to know this young man a little bit. Yeah. He is a very interesting character. T- tell us a little bit about your thoughts on Patrick Reed. Well, I like Patrick Reed. Um, I, I, he has a good self-deprecating sense of humor. He uh, could not have been more cooperative with me uh, during the course of my research for the first major. I'm well aware and was well aware of uh, his past, his uh, separation from his parents and his sister, which I think is sad in any family. None of us, I, I think it's terrible of any of us to be judgmental of either side in a situation like that. We don't know what's gone on. I do know from a number of people that uh, a lot of it has to do with the relationship between his parents and his wife, mm-hmm. which is always a shame when that sort of thing happens. Um, there, you know, He was thrown off the golf team at Georgia um, and was, was then part of two national champions at Augusta State. Uh, so, you know, he, he probably made some Im, what I would call immature mistakes when he was in college. God knows, Mike, you and I never made any immature mistakes in college. I made an immature uh, mistake this morning, I think. <laughs> I made one about five minutes ago. Uh, so uh, so my, my, my philosophy has always been you judge people uh, how, by how they treat you um, and, and by how you see them treat others when you have the opportunity to do that. And Patrick Reed has never been anything but, but kind to me. And, in fact, um, I, I dropped him a note, as I'm sure a million people did, on Monday congratulating him. And I got a note back surprisingly quickly under the circumstances. And, and what it said, Mike, was, I want to thank you for taking the time to get to know me. Hmm. Now, the number of athletes I can, who I can list in my life who have ever done that, because obviously – I've taken the time to get to know a lot of athletes because that's my job. Right. Um, it, it, I can count on one hand and have a couple fingers left. And, and I think he was making the point that a lot of people in the media have judged him without knowing him, which happens often in the media, unfortunately. 
And uh, and I, I just I, I think Patrick Reed is a good guy, and I feel badly. You know, the, the way life works is we're often judged by our worst moment mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever it is. And I, I think rarely is that fair. And, again, if, if, whomever's listening, you, me, how would you? How would any of us like to be judged by our worst moment? Right. So I, I, I was pleased to see him win. Now I was rooting for Rory McIlroy because you know Rory's my boy. That's right. That's right. And I was very disappointed by the way he played uh, on Sunday. He missed that eagle putt on two, and it was downhill from there. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold here. Um, but uh, but when Rory didn't win. Uh, I, I was very happy to see Patrick Reed. No, nothing against Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler, by the way. Like right. them both. Right. Spent right. a lot of time with them on the Ryder Cup book too, especially Jordan. Uh, so it was it was a fun ending. Uh, I thought the way Reed got it up and down at 17, he got lucky when the when when his first putt hit the hit the hit the hole, uh, and then played 18 the way he did. He was a deserving champion. The uh, the emergence of Reed and 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 by winning the Masters he emerges for a lot of people certainly his work on the Ryder Cup no golf doubt. fans would but the Masters changes things he will not fit into the nice neat box that a lot of guys in golf fit into and I'm wondering you know personality wise I don't know him near as well I don't know him at all compared to you but you know sometimes sports needs the black hat wearing guy and I don't want to necessarily carve him out as a villain you're telling us he's actually a pretty nice guy but right. this might be good for the sport to have a guy that can galvanize people in that direction. You know, I'm going to root against this guy versus mm-hmm. rooting for somebody else. Is, is, if he can stack up a few more wins, is that some a role you could see him taking? I could, uh, because Patrick's an introvert, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, he, if you look at Fowler, if you look at Spieth, if you look at Justin Thomas, uh, if you look at Rory, they're all extroverts. They're all very happy, you know, to – to spend time in the spotlight, to deal with the media, um, to be friendly with the other guys in the locker room, and particularly the three American guys are always out congratulating each other when they win. And to Ricky's credit, he did the same thing with Patrick Reed on Sunday. He's a class act. Um, but uh, Patrick is different. Uh, and uh, he told me that in 2014, the first time he played on the Ryder Cup team, in the team meeting on Saturday night, you know, when the teams always get together to, you know, rah, rah, let's get ready for Sunday. Phil Mickelson looked at him. Uh, he was talking about each member of the team. He looked at Patrick and said, we need to know you better. You need mm-hmm. to let us get to know you better because oh. you're going to be playing right on Ryder Cup teams for years to come, which he will. Um, and, I, and, and Patrick said he took that to heart. And he has a tendency to walk on the range. He's got his earbuds in. There's one song he listens to called Radioactive. Right. I'm forgetting the name of the group. But he listens to the same song over and over. And he understands that, you know, these guys are now teammates once every two years in, in an extremely important event. And he's allowed some of them to become friends with him uh, because he, you know, because of his past, because he's an introvert by nature. I think he's shied away from that. And now, as a Masters champion, uh, I think you'll see him become more open. One of the things I talked about last week, leading into the Masters, and it's still apropos now, is, and and maybe this is just because we're in, we're still in the wake of of Tiger's amazing dominant run over the years. I'm not expecting any golfer to come up and dominate the way he did. Maybe it'll happen. No one maybe, will. Yeah, no one will. Right. It doesn't seem like any. We've got a lot of great young stars right now. It doesn't seem like any of them have even dominated a little bit. Is that fair, or do you think there's one guy that everybody looks at at each tournament, going, "Okay, that's the guy we got to rein in"? Well, I, I think that 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 it's become more cyclical. 
Um, you don't get dominance like Tiger Woods had. You, you, I mean, Jack Nicklaus was that dominant. Tiger Woods was that dominant. That's the list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there have been times when uh, Rory McIlroy was the favorite going into most majors. There was a period when Jordan Spieth was the favorite going into most majors. And it, it ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, Rory's won, Rory had won four majors by the time he was 25. Uh, and has not won one now since uh, August of 2014. I I don't think he's done. I I think he's going to win more. I hope he'll win a bunch more. He's not going to get to 14, but he might get to 8 or 9. Jordan Spieth might get to 8 or 9. Jordan's only 24. Uh, So we've got some really, really good players who, as I said, are really good guys, too, out there. But anytime TV throws up a statistical comparison, between any player and Tiger Woods, I shudder. Right. It's just not fair. Right, right. You know, it, 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 and, and TV does this all the time. I, I still, my, I have a vivid memory many, many years ago. You remember Jeff Lebo played at North Carolina? Right, sure. Good guard, right? Yeah. But I'm watching, <laughs> and when he's a freshman, I'm watching him, him come into a game, and I hear Brent Musburger say, this young man has been compared to Jerry West. <laughs> By whom? Right, He's right. a college freshman. Yeah. Well, he was like Jerry West. He had two arms and two legs. Right, right. Lived on Earth. And, and when people do that to, you know, to it, it, Rory McIlroy, uh, I'll use him as an example, partly because I like him, partly because he's got the most majors among this group. If Rory McIlroy decided tomorrow I want to just go home and raise kids, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. That's how good his career has already been. But, again, to compare any career to Tiger Woods' career is like, you know, saying some kid who wins a first-round match at Wimbledon is going to be the next Federer. It's just not fair. Right. It, it, it's, no, you're right. It's just not going to happen. John Feinstein is our guest. One, uh, one other topic I want to touch on before we, we let you go. We talked about mistakes of our youth earlier and things that you do. And if I had one relationship in business that I could do over... It would be the relationship I ended up having because I was young. I was a little bit of a smart aleck, a little bit of a loud mouth. I guess I never knew that about you. I I know. Uh, It would involve our mutual friend, Charles G. Lefty Drizel, who has (laughs) finally made it into the Basketball Hall of Fame. At what, the age of 86? Is that right? 86, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how happy I was when I got that news. I thought it was going to happen this year. I, I really did because I knew there were some behind-the-scenes machinations going on that, to be honest, I had I had sort of pushed people into mm-hmm. uh, some significant people, um, and he was the only college coach who was a finalist. And I also had a call, had calls from a couple of voters, you know, even though it's supposed to be a deep dark secret who votes, saying to me, "Convince me," and I did. They both said to me, "You got it. I'm going to vote for him." So I felt very confident that he was not very confident, but confident. Mm-hmm. And when the word came down on, Mar- on the night of uh, March 28th, uh, and, I- and I was very happy I was able to break the story in the Washington Post, because if somebody else had broken it, it would have really upset me right. um, that, that Lefty was in. I was just, I know what it means to him. I know what it means to his family. He should have been in a dozen years ago, if you, if you look at his record, as opposed to some of the myths that are out there. Right. You know, there, there are people who actually somehow think he was responsible for Len Bias's death, which is ridiculous. And I, I had coaches call me and say, why are you pushing so hard for Lefty? You're the guy who says people who have been on probation shouldn't go in the Hall of Fame. 
And I said, damn right I am. Lefty was never on probation. That's right. That's a, that's a myth that does exist out there. You're it right. It does. And, and, and so thank God they finally got their facts straight, got their ducks in a row, uh, and got them in. And uh, I actually, I, I, I talked to Mike Krzyzewski at one point, because Mike was one of the people who pushed for this. And, and I was pushing him to push for it. And I said, Mike, do, do you realize the only Duke graduate who is in the Hall of Fame now, right now, this is a couple of years ago, is me. That's amazing. Do you want that to be Duke's legacy, no. me? <laughs> and he said, I'll work as hard as I can. And, of course, Grand Hill got in, too, so that's nice. So we went from one Duke grad to three. And that's a, and that's you know the the list of Duke grads and I, I like you know it, it, it's you that that are big stars you uh, uh, Lefty uh, uh, Richard Nixon you know there's a whole list Shut of guys up. he who, went to the law school he, the he whole was list not of an undergraduate a whole list of Dukies out there that are One worthy of my favorite chance of all time <laughs> you know at the ACC tournament in the old days back before there were 47 teams the students would chant back and forth at each other when their teams were getting ready to play. And one night, the Virginia students started chanting at the Duke students, Nixon went to Duke, Nixon went to Duke. And the Duke students chanted back, not our fault. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, I'm happy for for Lefty, and he was was a big, larger-than-life presence everywhere he ever went, and he certainly won enough games and and impacted enough people that it's a a worthy honor. So good. Mike, when he retired, he was fourth on the all-time list of wins. He won 786 games. And, and he's now 11th, even all these years later. Uh, and it was just ridiculous that he wasn't in for all those years. And I'm, I'm glad they got it done while he was still alive. I'm very, very glad about that. And I know, I know it. Me, I'm aware how much it meant to him as well. And I'm, I'm happy for that too. John, it's, it's great to chat with you again. And, and I appreciate your time. I hope your family's all doing well. If you see our friend Jerry Brewer, say hello to him. Uh, your Washington Post compadre there and continued good wishes to you. Thank you, Michael. It's always great to be on the radio with you. Thanks a lot. John Feinstein, you can follow him on Twitter, at J Feinstein Books. We talked about Patrick Reed ad nauseum on Monday. If you want to learn more about Patrick, John's uh, latest book, uh, which was actually, it's about a year old now, but it's going to be a great read, is on the 2016 Ryder Cup. And as you heard there, he got a chance to get to know Patrick uh, during that phase. Uh, our friend Ian Furness, the host of Area 51, will come wandering through the door any moment. We'll find out what's going on on his show today.